Good morning. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 1, if you would. 1 John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, there's one in the chair in front of you. One of those uh, chair racks in front of you will have one. We'd be happy for you to use that. Um, or, and if, if you'd like to take it with you, we uh, definitely make those free to a good home. So if you would like. Say, so, man, you guys are kind of taking it easy today. Yep, we are. That's true. Some purpose. We have had a full summer here at Gospel Hope. If you're, not, uh, if you're new here, or you're visiting, uh, we have a very intense summer of doing outreach into the community. Uh, we have kids clubs that have run at people's homes. We had four of those that happened this year. Uh, there were plant campers, that means kind of mission trip uh, students and adults who came in from around the country for a couple uh, full weeks of canvassing and reaching out in the community. Uh, Thursday nights during the summer, we've had what we call Hope in the Park. And so we uh, meet on Thursday nights in Riverton City Park and uh, do a meal for the community and uh, sing together and share God's word. And so that keeps us busy during the week. And then this past Thursday, we had our pastor, our police, I almost said pastor's appreciation, our police, it wasn't for us, sorry, our police appreciation dinner, and uh, there's a group, uh, group from Idaho that comes down and brings a big smoker and does an amazing meal, and we just thank the police officers in our community. Uh, we're really fortunate, thankful to have Paul Folks, who's a chaplain uh, at the police department in Harriman, and so he has a lot of connections, and um, the people from Idaho who did the meal uh, kind of do a plate count. That's how they count how many people came through since we would have lost the head count a long time ago. And so I talked to um, the woman at the end and just said, you know, kind of, how, how do you feel like it was? Because you can kind of never tell who's coming and going. It's a drop-in style. And um, she said, uh, well, we're through, basically through two decks of plates. I said, okay, what does that mean? You know, is that like this many plates or this many plates? And uh, she said, that's 125 plates a deck. So around 200, 250 people, and uh, just a great opportunity to reach out in the community. In fact, I uh, went to a motocross event in Harriman with Simeon uh, last night and uh, saw one of the police officers that had come, and it's just getting to know people, thanking them, appreciating them, talking to them about God's love, and uh, having a connection to the community. So we've been running, 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 running. And so we don't want to run forever, right? If you stand on the gas of your car for too long, besides getting pulled over, at some point you will wreck your car. Okay, so we want to breathe and step on the gas and step on the brake, and so today is really intended to give our teachers a little breather, um, to not have a quip class, to let us all kind of get a little extra time to rest. We don't have a Thursday night anything this week, uh, so we have community groups coming up in a few weeks, but you can pray and have somebody over, relax with your family. Um, we're, it's very intentional, you have to hear that, and so if someone says, man, you guys have a busy calendar all year, we don't, we don't. Push, breathe, push, breathe, okay? Uh, so we try to do that um, on a regular basis. We're talking about community together. I want to start with a question, and I'll let you think about this for a minute. What word, if you had to pick one, okay, and you can't pick Jesus, okay? <laughs> That's cheating. That's cheating in kids' church. That's cheating in God, Jesus, the Bible, okay? What one word should characterize a Christian community. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, 
so that you too may have fellowship with us, so that we can have community together, be connected. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Kevin started us in this little mini-series last week talking about a gospel community, right? The word that he kind of walked us through last week was a Greek word that you don't need to know, but if you do care, there it is. It talks about the relationship that we have with God and therefore with others, if you know Christ as your Savior, and then the partnership that we have together. And he went to Philippians and talked to us quite a bit about that gospel partnership and how it actually creates this real affection for one another. And so it's more than just a meal together. At the church I grew up at, we had a fellowship hall. It's more than a location, right? Like, like, okay, now it's time to be community. We're going to fellowship hall, you know? It's more than um, just uh, something that we would take lightly. It's more than an event, It's actually the sharing of life together. The actual community, fellowship, relationship, partnership. And so we want to continue in that study today and focus on what that community does, how that community acts, what you should be seeing if you have a healthy Christian community. And by extension, then what you should be doing if you're part of that community. Let's pray and we'll dive in together. Lord, thank you for your word that it is a lamp for our feet. It's a light for our path. It tells us how to follow you. And so we pray that it would shine into our lives and help each of us to function as a healthy part of the community that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I know we have our kids in here this morning, right? How many of you would normally be in kids' church? Right now, you would be in kids' church. If you've never been to Gospel Hope, there's like this mass exodus of kiddos uh, right after the last song, and all the kiddos exit. So I've got a little extra crew today. So if it seems like it's both headed to adults and headed to kids today, it is because they're here. Um, And some of you are like, oh, that's great. I'll I'll understand, right? As long as you teach to first graders, I'm in, right? So I need to apologize to the kids, right? All the kids look at me. I need to say I'm sorry to you because I am not as good a teacher as Miss Gina. And, and I'm hoping that you leave today and say, oh, I hope we have kids church next week. <laughs> not as good as Mr. Daniel, right? But I bet if you listen and you hear, you'll learn something today. And I actually want to start off with an activity for you. So all adults, you are forbidden from participating in this activity, Right? You must be of kids' church age. Does everyone understand that? Not maturity, age. Kids' church age to participate in this activity. Everybody ready? Is everybody ready? Okay. So you need to think about one word that comes to your mind, kids, when you see the animal that I'm about to put on the screen. One word. You got it? Okay. And then I'm going to give you a chance to say it out loud. When you think of a turtle... Ready? One, two, three. What's the word you think of when you think of a turtle? One, two, three. Turtle. That's good. Turtle, turtle. It's good. Someday on her SAT, that's going to come through. What are turtles? They are slow. Good. Thanks, Stephen, for helping with that. Or was that you, Andrew? Oh, it's Andrew. 
Now I blame Stephen. Stephen's like, I was following the directions. <laughs> Turtles are slow. Okay, you get how the game is played? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Second animal. When you think of a giraffe. Ready? One, two, three. Giraffes are tall. Very good. Yes. They probably do other things, but they're just tall. When you think of an elephant, big or heavy, right? Huge, right? Here you go. When you think of a cheetah or a leopard, they are fast. Good. That kind of looks like a cat with chicken pox, but it's the best one I could find, <laughs> cheetah or leopard. <laughs> All right, two more. I think these are, these are my two favorites. What about when you think of this animal? Whoa. One, two, three, they are? I thought scary, terrifying. I feel like every time I open the news, there are like four people in Florida bit by a shark, and I think that's why I don't go to Florida, <laughs> among other reasons. But, and last one, what do you think of when you think of this animal? One, two, three, monkeys are? Silly or funny or whatever. Okay, so I feel like we kept the kids' attention for at least the first two or three minutes, so this would be good. What one word should characterize a Christian community? Maybe I could ask it this way. For someone who's here at Gospel Hope for the first time this morning, when they leave, what should they feel? What should they say? What should their sense of this community be? What, when you go to a community group on a Thursday night as we come into those in the fall, as you go to dinner, as, as we spend time together, as people spend time with you at your workplace as a follower of Jesus, what should come to their mind? Now, there are lots of things, aren't there? When we could just reel off the fruit of the Spirit is, blah, 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 blah. Oh, by the way, what is the first fruit of the Spirit? Okay, there's our answer. Look at 1 John chapter 4. We read these verses, so I won't reread them all. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A simple thought as we start, and that is this, caring, love, is central. And so somehow we have to keep coming back to this, right? Because we're prone to miss the main thing. Isn't that true as human beings? We're prone to get focused on the things that are secondary or thirdary or way not that important. And by the way, this is a temptation that happens the longer that someone knows Jesus. There's actually this temptation to get focused on lower level and lower level and lower, lower, lower level things. A few weeks ago, Danny showed us a, a chart about important things and secondary things, and 
Man, we're just so easily distracted. We're like shiny object people. And so we need God to remind us that when we're talking about community, we got to keep coming back to this idea of, is your home a place of love? Dads, what does Ephesians 5 say? Father or husbands, love your wife. Does my wife, does your wife sense in your home that she's loved? By the way, what is love? Right? The Bible uses some different words. One is a, a negative word for just sexual love. One, one is a word for brotherly love. But, but the word that you keep coming back to that looks like Jesus is selfless, sacrificing, caring for others' love. Caring for someone else so much that you uh, want to meet their needs more than you want to meet your own. Listen, none of us has trouble loving ourselves. We're all really good at that. We are pros at caring for ourselves. But something happens when you become a Christian. God's love, Romans 5 tells us, uh, is shed abroad in your heart. You, you, you actually begin to live differently because you care about the people around you. And so you make sacrifices and you live selflessly and you love God, so you follow what he wants, not what you want. We're having this war in our home right now with my three-year-old. He's convinced that his way is the best way. Right? You ever had that war, parents? And so he wants to follow his own way, and I'm trying to teach him loving God means following God's way. You can't have your own way. And as adults, don't we need that reminder? Love is central. We have to keep coming back to it. Do people know? Do they sense? Man, I, I'm killing people today. We're... It's like exit right, exit left, exit. Do you need to leave? If you need to leave, now's your time. Just kidding. Love is central. But here's the reality. Love is shown. It's easy to talk, isn't it? It's easy to talk about loving other people. There's a good book that came out a few years ago called Love Does. Anybody read this book? Okay, great. Was it okay, Claire? Did you enjoy it? Okay, good. And Bob Goff in that book makes this statement, love is never stationary. In the end, love doesn't just keep thinking about it or keep, it, or keep planning it. Simply put, love does. You know, Jesus said that, or God said that in his word, probably even a little better, little children. Let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. How do we love each other? Look back at 1 John chapter 3. Our love is shown by how we give. We contribute together. Look at 1 John 3 verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Jesus is the example of love. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. For our community. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. You know what we do as a community? 
we give generously together. Kevin touched on this in Acts 2 last week. What happened in the church when people came to know Christ as their Savior? They dedicated themselves to teaching and to prayer and to being a community, and they just naturally started to give to one another. They gave generously. You know, the Bible knows nothing of Christians who show up to worship God empty-handed or who become aware of a need and are empty-hearted. Did you see that in the verses we read? If anyone has this world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. I've done this. I mean, I don't think I would put it in those words because I like to clean up and feel better about my own life. But have you done this? Has a genuine need come across your way and you've figured out a reason why it's probably not for you to help? And in a manner, a matter of steps, you have closed your heart to the need that's there? I mean, we are skilled excuse makers, aren't we? We're really good at getting ourselves out of an opportunity or a responsibility. Now, I understand. You can't say yes to everything, can you? You have to be wise. But be careful that when a need comes your way, your first reaction isn't to say, well, why not? That's close your heart. So we give generously. I'm thankful that the Bible talks about giving in tears as you are able. Now, that doesn't say if you are able. It's as you are able. I mean, you can look all the way back to the first part of the Bible as God lays things out for his people and he says, I know some of you will be able to come to me with generous amounts of sacrifice. And I know some of you will have to buy little birds. Right? God understands there's a whole spectrum of people sitting in this room today. But I can tell you what he doesn't expect. Anyone to say, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, we have created an optional Christian culture. We were singing this morning, and there was a new song to me. And so I was kind of, you ever do that? Like, okay. Oh, I thought that note went up, but it went down. <laughs> I thought that hold was longer, but it was shorter. And I'm so thankful. Kevin, Kevin gives so much thought to preparing our time of singing together. And he tries to pick songs that will all fit together well and draw our attention well to who God is. But if you go on vacation next Sunday, you're going to sit in a church somewhere. I hope you are. You're going to sit in a church somewhere, and you're going to sing songs you may not know. But do you know that as we worship together, singing is not optional? Praying, giving, learning from God's word. This is part of who God has called us to be. He's called us to give as there is need. But Galatians 5 tells us that our contributing goes beyond that. That we actually serve each other in love. Turn over there real quick. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 13. 
For you were called to freedom, brothers. The, the gospel gives us freedom to live and be flexible. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love do what? Serve one another. Not only do we give generously, but we serve selflessly. We all find our place. We all take our place. And listen, there's some serving that we do together that's just like folding laundry. It's just getting the job done as a family, as a community. I'm so thankful for whoever showed up this week and cleaned the building. I haven't used the bathrooms yet, but I can promise you that if I needed to, I'd be extra thankful. We serve selflessly, but then God's gifted you with special abilities. The Bible talks about those. Some people have speaking gifts. Some people have serving gifts. There are lots of gifts and abilities in this group. And you know what we do as a community? We serve each other in love. Ephesians 4 says something amazing that happens. As each part of the body is doing its part, it becomes this amazing group that builds itself up in love. So however God has gifted you, wherever the needs lie, plug in. It's part of what community does. We all contribute together. Go to Hebrews chapter 3, but there's another thing. We don't just contribute together, we challenge together. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Thinking about challenging each other to follow Jesus. And I realized, you know, it's really easy to say hard things about people. Do you know what it's called when you say hard things about people most of the time? When my wife and I are talking in the car ride home, and maybe we've made some observation about somebody else's life, I know I'm not the only one who does this. Maybe I am. Am I the only one who does this? I, I want to tell you, I am, I am certified brilliant about all your lives. <laughs> There's a word for that. That's pride. It's ugly. And it's really ugly when someone else has that opinion about our lives. But we have it, don't we? It can be easy to say something hard about someone. But most of the time, what's that? What do we call that activity? Gossip. But it's really hard to say something hard to someone. By the way, that's the best way to kill gossip. Say, have you talked to that person about that? That sounds like a very valid concern you have. You should talk to them. What usually happens then? Like, oh no, I just want to share it with you so we can pray together. (laughs) The Bible says that if we really love each other, we will challenge, we will push, we will um, spur is one of the words that the Bible uses. We, we will help each other. We'll lean into each other's lives. 
This is something we're praying that happens more and more even as we gather in community groups. Right? Because it's really easy to live on the surface. It's really easy to talk about sports or hobbies or how work was hard again, how the boss wants me to work more shifts, how I'm, how, the, it's really easy to live up there. But the Bible says when we have real community, we're actually diving into each other's lives. By the way, saying something hard, it actually starts with listening. And probably listening for a lot longer than talking. Why is it so important? Because as we gather together, right, we all put on our little Sunday garb, we all show up, and, and even as I look around at your faces this morning, I feel like I can tell some things, but I don't know what's going on exactly in your life. And, and if God's called me to challenge and exhort and come alongside, then we've got to have a relationship. We've got to be willing to share and willing to talk and be willing to, to be honest about life. So together, we challenge each other. And the reason we challenge each other is because sin lies. And it's attractive, and it sounds good, but it lies. And it will wreck our lives. In fact, the warning here in Hebrews 3 is that there are people who even walk away from Jesus. And if you walk with him enough, you'll see that happen. And so we've got to keep pushing each other. We've got to keep challenging each other. We've got to keep encouraging each other and comforting each other. We've got to be okay with that. So love challenges each other. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One last thing love does. First Corinthians 12 is talking about how the body of Christians works. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24. If you jump right in the middle of that verse, it says this, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. How do we care for each other? If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. We learn to cry in suffering. And I have no doubt this is what you would have experienced if you spent time with Jesus. God in the flesh, moved with compassion, caring about the needs of people all around him. Right? When was Jesus moved with compassion? Jesus was moved with compassion one time when he saw a man who had a disease that alienated him from everyone else and that he couldn't possibly cure himself. Jesus was moved with compassion when he looked around at people who had a world filled with religion but no actual truth. And Jesus said they're like sheep that are scattered everywhere and have no idea what to do. Jesus was moved with compassion when his friend died. And those two powerful words, Jesus wept. We learn to cry together in suffering. How are people suffering? I mean, look at the verse. When one member suffers... All suffer together. 
How do people suffer? There's a lot of ways, isn't there? It was kind of interesting. I, I googled the idea of pain and suffering. Do you know what came up? How much is your pain and suffering worth? That's actually what came up. A ton of legal listings on pain and suffering injury claims and how to calculate the value to you of your pain and suffering. But in the moment of pain and suffering, is that what most people need? Now, let's not lie. A check would make us feel better. But is that actually what we need? I mean, people suffer in all kinds of ways. They suffer in times of loss. They suffer with chronic pain or illness. We have people in our church family that suffer from ongoing family issues. I mean, some of our grandparents in here, you wake up every morning in some way grieved, mourning for children or grandchildren. And to a degree, they never leave your mind. We have people in here who wake up every morning in deep, hard pain. And just the act of getting up is an act of suffering. We have people who've gone through recent loss. It's an obituary for Danita Henry's mom, who died two weeks ago. Right? Some of you are in places of spiritual pain and grief that are just ever present. But aren't you thankful that we're reminded in Hebrews 4 that we don't have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses? But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You just read through the Psalms. Can I tell you something? We... This is not bad, right? This is not picking on Kevin. I'm not picking on him at all. But, but as we come here, right, we, we, like to, we like to read certain psalms. Isn't that true? Ascribe to the Lord the greatness due his name. Is God great? Yes. Right? Uh, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. When I was discouraged, you heard me and took me out of all my troubles. And while those psalms are certainly true, all you have to do is read through the psalms to hear the pain, to hear the suffering, to hear the frustration, to hear the grief. And I can promise you, as we gather this morning, there's aching hearts and suffering bodies and suffering souls. There's pain. And the Bible says that when we really walk in love together, we're, we learn to cry together. We learn to lament together. We learn not to just sugarcoat life. We cry. And I just wonder this morning, do you know each other well enough to cry? Do you actually know the people sitting around you 
in a way that you can go, I understand, I've heard about, I've sat with them, I've connected with their pain and suffering. Because this sort of stuff doesn't happen by showing up on Sunday morning, being together and walking out the door and being gone. This actually happens as we share life together. That is community. Now, you don't have to know everyone in the room. But you should have a community. I mean, that's one of the beauty of community groups. We're going to start those in three weeks. And this is not a postcard. You know, this is not a an ad for community groups. But if you have that sense today, I couldn't possibly know everyone, then I have good news for you. You don't have to know everyone. We'll actually break the church up into 10 to 20 people. And I can tell you, you can know them. But you gotta show up. We gotta speak up. We gotta share. Say, I'm really tired on Thursday nights. Listen, I have a 40-hour-a-week plus. I don't, know any, I don't know that many people have 40-hour-a-week jobs anymore. Like 40 and then some. So if you're one of those people who clocks in at 8, takes your hour lunch, and clocks out at 5, Monday to Friday, and then you're done, you just let me know because I'm going to give you lots of cheers. Yeah, we're tired. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it takes effort. But none of this stuff happens on accident. Loving and knowing each other means that you have to be available to know others and you have to be willing for others to know you. Is that hard? Yeah, we are good at being kings of our castle and coming into our house and closing our door and keeping our life just so. We've got to know each other. But then we cheer in the success. This is the fun part. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is, the, this is the fun stuff. So this is kind of funny, actually. Not the obituary. That's not funny. I had a picture in here. And as technology would want to do, when we uploaded it to our sound computer, the picture went away. So there's a guy there <laughs> that you may know. It's actually a picture of Randy Palmer. I told him I would embarrass him, and he made the slideshow, and then God, in his humor, took him out of the slideshow. <laughs> Imagine, it's actually a picture of Randy with three of his coworkers. And two months ago, or last month at work, they recognized Randy for his work. Listen to this. Randy works at a company called England Logistics. Congratulations to the July backbone of the month, Randy. Randy was promoted to one of the most demanding and complex roles within the organization nearly three years ago. Since that time, he has not only vastly improved within his primary job responsibilities, so he started off bad, but he's doing better. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not what it said. That was revisionist history, a little reinterpretation. But has also managed to grow internal and external relationships through his can-do approach and genuine demeanor. Randy never shies away from lending a hand to team members in need, and never lets the pressure of a demanding job impact his interaction with customers, carriers, and coworkers. A fantastic example of our 2019 team-up theme, the division, along with the accounts they serve, could not be more fortunate to have Randy on their side. Please join us in celebrating Randy as the company's backbone of the month. 
You know what happens in community? You're like, that's the Randy I know. Oh, there you are. Perfect. He came back in. He, Randy's ushering today. And uh, just came, did you take care of the problem? Just came back in from spraying a wasp nest to save all of you. That's true. True story. Listen, something cool happens when we know each other. We start to cheer together. And someone is um, prospering or honored in some area of life, and we just go, woohoo! That's so neat! Man, look at how God is working through them and using him in his workplace. Look how God is working through them and using them in their neighborhood. Look at what God just did. Look how, look how they were able to give generously. And listen, it's not about our cheers, but it's something that happens together. We cry together and we cheer together. We're moving into communion in just a minute. And do you know that the cross is the ultimate reality of all the things we just talked about? That Jesus embodied God's love shining out of a human being because he was God. He is God. That Jesus in his life and death constantly challenges us in how we live. And that at the moment when he hung on the cross, it was this moment of crying and of cheering. Sometimes when we celebrate communion together, um, I think we can be too somber. Now, don't get me wrong. We should be somber. We should reflect. What happened to Jesus' body? It was what for you? Broken. He suffered, and he suffered because of our sin. But do you know that Jesus' cry of it is finished? Was Jesus coming through the finish line of the race? I mean, isn't it interesting when we take communion in just a minute that we will, we will reflect that Jesus' body was broken for you, but then Jesus says, this blood is a new promise. This sacrifice has been made. And so actually collectively, in just a moment, we are going to cry, and we are going to cheer, and that's love on display. I'm going to ask the deacons to come forward so we can observe communion together. just have a couple questions for you. Do you have a relationship with God? When we talk about community, it starts with actually knowing God. How are your relationships with others? Are you in the know to love? Do you know others and do they know you? So that that love can be shared. Are you actually showing it? We talked about some ways this morning. And then where do you sense you need God to grow you in his love? Usually we welcome the kids back in, but they're already here, so we don't need to do that this morning. But I do want us, as we celebrate communion together, to both cry and to cheer. I recognize that some of you are visiting with us today. We don't believe that God gave communion to the exclusive family of Gospel Hope Church. It's actually something that we celebrate together as Christians, and one day we'll all celebrate in Christ's presence. 
And so if you know Jesus as your Savior, if you're walking with him in obedience, we would welcome you to join in this celebration with us in this time of remembrance. We're going to do something a little different today. Danny left, and he left the keys to however we want to do this. So that's what happens. We're actually going to have the deacons serve out both elements. And so 